Today we'd like to thank uh, Joseph Safra for donating the breakfast in uh, honor of Rabbi Shlomo Farhi. Uh, I guess that's me. Hazaku Baruch. Thank you so much. Uh, we should bezet Hashem bizocher to tremendous hatzlacha and the aura of Hanukkah. Okay. We say when we light the, han- the ner of Hanukkah, the enlan rishut lishtamesh bahem. We have no permission to be mishtamesh in the light of the ner of Hanukkah. That's why we have the shamosh. The shamosh is there uh, on the on the menorah, so that it provides an extra amount of light besides for the light of all the other candles, so that you should make sure that any light or benefit that you're getting from the light doesn't come from this. So the Rabbi Schwab asks the most amazing question. Every one of us, we went to school, we studied a little bit, we know exactly what's going on with regards to many of the other holidays. So as an example, if we talk about uh, Tisha B'Av, and we describe why is it that the Jewish people had to suffer and had the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash, destruction of the second Beit HaMikdash. So we know the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash was because... First one. First one. Three Gimel Averot Hamurot. They had interactions with the three great sins, the three cardinal sins. Idolatry, adultery, and idol worship, and, and uh, murder. These are the three cardinal sins that was happening in the time of the first Beit HaMikdash. Says the Gemara, what about the second Beit HaMikdash? The Gemara answers, Sinat Chinam. If you look at Purim, so we ask why is it that happened, the story of Purim? Why was there a Gezerah against them? The Gemara tells us, we know very, very well. Why? Because they were Ne'aneh, Misudatosh, El Ahashverosh. And of course, all the attendant ideas as to what it means that they enjoyed the Seudah of Ahashverosh on Purim. But when it comes to Hanukkah, the Gemara makes no mention as to why the Yivanim came along and gave us and, and brought all these Gezerot. How come we are not told the secret of what the mistake was on Hanukkah? Now, by the way, if you look at each time, we also begin to understand what the Teshuvah was each time to be able to get them out of it. So when it comes to Purim, we know exactly what they did. Sumu alai, fast like this, three days, they did Teshuvah. Kimu kiblu, they reaccepted the Torah again. By, uh, on Purim, we understand, we know also by the Beit HaMikdash, certain cases where the Teshuvah resulted in the story of Purim, it resulted after the Kimu Kiblu, they were able to rebuild the Torah, but the, the Beit HaMikdash. But when it comes to Hanukkah, we don't know the sin, and we also don't know the process of Teshuvah that rectified it, that allowed them to have these miracles. So what's going on here? In fact, what I found quite interesting is that if you look in the Alanisim, you find afterwards, Afterwards, your children came, right? And I always say, that's, oh, that's the words, it always kind of feels like a little bit of a knife. Like, oh, so when did they turn up back to the Beit HaMikdash? When did they fix everything? When did they purify everything? So to me, <clears throat> I found this to be a very, very strong question. So I want to come back to this idea of the Nerot Hanukkah. And I have a fundamental question on this. Why is it that the Nerot of Hanukkah What's the reason? How come I can't enjoy? I lit the candles, I did the Pirsum Enisa, now I'm enjoying it. So some people think that the reason why you're not allowed to enjoy it, sorry, that's the Nerot of the Beit HaMikdash. This is a completely different Nerot. The Nerot of Hanukkah are not the Nerot of the Beit HaMikdash. So how come, why is it on the Nerot of the Beit HaMikdash, of, of uh, Hanukkah, we're not allowed to have enjoyment? 
I'm going to ask you a couple questions on this. So the first answer that some people give is that if you're going to enjoy, if you're going to start reading by the night of Hanukkah, it's not nikar, it's not obvious that the reason why you did it was because of Hanukkah. Maybe you lit it because you want to read your, uh, your novel. So that's why you did it. Maybe you did it because you want to learn Torah. So that's why you're doing it. So therefore we, we were oser, we said we prohibited enjoyment from the light in order that it should be obvious that's Pirsum and Nisa. I'm not sure that that works for me. Why? We have this cloud, we have an idea. Mitzvot lav lehenot nitnu. If a person gets enjoyment from a mitzvah and he's mudar hana'ah, the halakha is still he's allowed to do the mitzvah because there's no hana'ah in the mitzvah that when a person enjoys it, he's allowed to enjoy it. And also, how come we didn't differentiate in the, in the type of hana'ah that you have from it? So let's say I have no lights and before the time of electricity, I light nirot hanukkah. So what do I have to do? Walk around in my room with my eyes closed? Because I'm not enjoying it. Bottom line, I'm going to enjoy it. So you have the shamash. But what if there was no shamash? Let's say a person did not have enough money for shamash. The ikar mitzvah of Hanukkah person fulfills with one ner. So we're doing it in Mehadrin. But let's say you lit one ner. Now, the, not only that, I'm going to add even more to the question. The Gemara tells us ner le'echad, ner le'me'ah. What does that mean, ner le'echad, ner le'me'ah? If you light a candle for one person, how many people enjoy? Hundred people enjoy. So the idea is when a person uh, does a, learns Torah, hundred people could get the benefit, even though it was only lit, lit for one. And it doesn't take away from the fact that the one guy is enjoying his life, that everyone else enjoys it. My enjoyment of the Neroch Hanukkah don't take anything away from them. So what is this idea of the And I think these two questions, as usual, they are linked to one another. And I think this is a fascinating idea. <clears throat> the concept is as follows. When a person, uh, when we take out the Sefer Torah, we've mentioned this quite a few times, the halakha is that we quote a pasuk and we say, Vezot Torah Moshe Israel. Says the Mishnah Berurah that the time when you say Vezot Torah, although in our synagogues a lot of times the whole community says it together because they're saying Romimu and then they finally get to the part, Vezot Torah Moshe, but technically, the sound of Vizot Torah in the Bet Knesset should sound like what they call in the stadiums, the wave. In England, I'm not sure why, but in England they call it the Mexican wave. I'm not sure what the difference is between the wave and the Mexican wave, but the idea is that when you start it in one part of the stadium, it goes all the way around and it comes back to the, to the starting point. That's the wave. Now, the idea is when you take the Sefer Torah and you turn around, they should be saying Vizot Torah only as they see the tsurata otiyot, not before. So really it should not be said in one shot, it should be said, it almost should kind of move in a circle around, around, the, bit, around the bit Knesset. Why? Because they're becoming exposed to the sight, the tsurata otiyot, at different times. And even if you say it, when he's carrying the Sefer Torah out, the only way it can be seen by everybody at the same time is if you do Hagbah right by the Aron Kodesh, where potentially everyone could see it together. So I always ask myself, why is it that the halakha vezot Torah is being said when you see tzurat otiyot? The Torah, that's the Torah. If it's closed, if it's in the case, if it's vezot Torah. And I think the answer is, Rabotai, something subtle but powerful. And the idea is that when a person points at the Sefer Torah, wrapped up in its beautiful clothing, with the beautiful keter Torah on the top, and you say vezot Torah, people are liable to make a mistake. And the thing that they're pointing at and calling Vizota Torah is the beauty of the Torah, the silver casing of the Torah, the pomp and circumstance of the Torah, 
the nice rabotai, the nice ideas of the Torah, the parts of the Torah that you really enjoy and fit into your life, the parts of Torah that match what you read in a self-help book that was written by Anthony Robbins, the part that you just saw, a documentary, that there was a study that came out in this university, and it matches what you learned today in the class. Rabbi, I get sometimes people come up to you afterwards, I really like that class. What do you mean you like that class? What do you mean you like that class? What does it mean you like the keter on top of the Torah? The otiyot, the tsurata otiyot, the way the Torah said it, what it said, every single thing in the Torah, Torah Hashem timima. What does it mean that the Torah of Hashem is timima? It's complete. Every part of it is required in order to be able to have this holistic thing. Without the timimut of the Torah, you don't have mishivat nefesh. You don't have this experience that a person feels at peace with themselves. Because the Torah itself is a holistic system. So when people cherry pick and they decide that they like this bit, and they like that bit, and they think, you know what, Shalom Alay Nafshi, it's actually gonna fit much better into my lifestyle because I'm choosing the bits of Torah that I like to adopt, there's no Mishivat Nafish. It doesn't have this ability to bring a person inner peace and serenity. Therefore, Rabotai, if we look back and we see what the Gezerah of the Yevanim was, Lahashkicham Torah Techa. The problem of the Yevanim was that they were trying to cause the Jews to forget Torah. When Haman was attacking the body of the Jews, so there was a method by which they needed to respond to that threat. And therefore the Torah tells us what was the problem, what was the Teshuvah. Here, the Yevanim's problem was exactly what it said on the label. You are going to stop learning Torah and you are going to stop doing mitzvot. So do we need to respond and to say what the problem was and also what the solution was? The problem was that people were stopping to learn Torah and do mitzvot. What was the solution therefore? When they were moser nefesh to learn Torah and moser nefesh to do mitzvot. Mesirut nefesh to go into a cave and to hide and to make up a story as to what it is that you're actually doing when really you just wanted to learn Torah with a little dreidel. To go and do brit milah in private. This is what they were doing. So all the things that the Yevanim were trying to take away, all they needed to do was respond in kind and redouble their efforts. Rabotai, our rabbis teach us that misirut nefesh doesn't mean that you have to jump off a building. Misirut nefesh doesn't mean that you have to be burned in a fire al kiddush Hashem. You know what misirut nefesh means? And especially in a generation that is as soft and as pampered as, and as entitled as ours is, misirut nefesh means when you get up and you're tired and you go to shul. Misirut nefesh. Misirut nefesh means when you push yourself at business because something's not exactly right, it's not exactly honest. You have an employee, you're not dealing with them in exactly the best way you can, and you know what, you could probably get away with it contractually. Misirut nefesh. In fact, the words nefesh, what does nefesh mean? Nefesh symbolizes in the human experience. We have nefesh, ruach, and shama. There are different levels of a person's soul. The nefesh part of a person's soul describes the part of a person which incorporates his desires, what motivates him and what pushes him. So if his nefesh is pulled after havle hazman, the, the stupidities of the day, it pulls him after the ta'avot, the desires of the world, that's his nefesh. So a misirut nefesh would be a giving over of my desires, a subjugation of my desires to my values. 
In such a moment, a person is exhibiting misirut nefesh. And that, Rabbi is the miracle of Hanukkah. So therefore, our rabbis tell us, The lights of Hanukkah, they represent, as we know, Shemen Zayit. Shemen is representative of Torah. The lights of Hanukkah represent Torah. It is holy. It is removed. It's not something that we taint. It stays in its purity. And we look and draw ourselves to it as opposed to using the Torah for our desires and our means. Because that would be the opposite of Misirut Nefesh. It would be taking it and using it for you as opposed to taking your desires and yourself and your proclivities and bending them like the Nerot on either side towards the middle to be able Baruch Amen Amen